What's going on there, Youth Pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you today? Hope that you're doing well. It's February. <laughs> I don't know what that actually means. It's just February. It's not it's not too late in the year to say, where did the time go? You know, it's already fe- why do people say that? It's already February. As if, you know, time was going to move slower for you some, for some reason. I don't know. I think it's crazy when people say, it's already this. It's already that. I read somewhere that as we get older, our, our mind shifts. We look at time very differently as we get older. So maybe it's just an older set of folks that say that. I'm glad I don't say that. I'm not saying that. I refuse to say that. All right, well, let's take a look at the motion metrics and find out who's listening to the podcast and where are they listening from. Top listeners, Illistep and Wave Promotions, thank you so much for listening. Our top cities are Dallas, Palmetto, and Springfield. Springfield. Uh, maybe, maybe Reverend Lovejoy is listening over there in Springfield. Thank you, Reverend Lovejoy. Please tell Homer about the podcast. Maybe it will help him with his son. But a big shout out to all of you who listen to the podcast and those that are listening right now. Thank you. And those of you who are brand new to the show here, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you being a part today and and checking it out. I hope you like it so much that you'll hit that subscribe button and be a weekly listener to the number one youth ministry podcast in the nation. And that's not an overstatement. That's simply what the algorithm says. I do notice, though, when people uh, post either in a Facebook group, youth, Youth Ministry Facebook group, People say, hey, what's everybody listening to and what's everybody doing? So I noticed that my podcast doesn't come up, so I'm not everybody's favorite podcast, but I still am number one by the algorithm. So, and you guys made that happen. All your listens, all your shares, all those things. So the next time you see the question, what are you guys listening to? Would you do me a favor and simply say, you need to listen to the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. That's what I'm listening to right now. You guys should listen too. And I thank you in advance for your sharing. All right, I know you're a little concerned today. You're concerned because you're afraid that youth ministry somehow suddenly died <laughs> by the title of this episode. And uh, it, youth ministry has not died. It is never going to be dead. There will always be young people to minister to. Now, youth group or youth ministry in the local church at some point may fade off. I don't know, but I'm going to read an article today that makes a case for that kind of, um, it's from the Atlantic. And so I'm going to be diving deep into that, sharing some thoughts, reading parts of the article. And if you want to give any feedback, well, you can always uh, go over to, we do have a Facebook group. It's often very quiet over there, but I'm going to post this over there and see if you guys want to give any feedback to that. Or if you just want to send me a direct message, you can always text me 205-260-7229, or you can send me an email to thedisciplesproject at gmail.com. So whatever way you choose to contact me and you want to share your thoughts, well, you're welcome to do so. Before we jump into today's episode, this episode is brought to you by the Disciple Project Ministry Store. That's right, my store where I host all curriculum and resources, my youth ministry playbook, the Disciple Project book, all that stuff, devotions, lessons, series, all the things. If you want that, you can go check it out. And over there, uh, if you're not ready for Easter yet, over there, Easter Advent, I have some uh, an Easter Advent bundle. It's filled with journals and prayer stations and lessons 
and all kinds of good stuff in there. So if you are not ready yet, if you're still looking to kind of supplement some things there and you want to be able to build out your Wednesday nights or to undergird your students with some extra resources like uh, the journal Clean, which is gives you an everyday 40-day journal basically uh, through Advent. And so if you want things like that, that's why I make these resources is to give you guys what you need during the times and the seasons that you need them. So check out the Easter Advent Resource Bundle. There'll be a link down in the description. While you're there, you can check out some other resources as well. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into today's episode's RIP Youth Ministry, question mark. And today I want to bring to you uh, some commentary on an article called American Religion is Not Dead Yet and put it in the context of youth ministry is not dead yet because there's some things in this article that I think we as youth pastors should be thinking about. It is an article by Wendy Cage and Elan Babchuk. Hopefully I'm pronouncing those names correctly. And uh, we get into the very beginning part here, which sounds, you know, you kind of put up front, um, you know, some of traditional things that you put in an article like this, stats and so forth. But we'll, we'll go with it and, uh, and we'll jump down here to some of the things that I really want to talk about. Take a drive down Main Street of just about any major city in the country, and with the housing market ground to a halt, you might pass more churches for sale than homes. This phenomenon isn't likely to change anytime soon. According to the author of a 2021 report on the future of religion in America, 30% of congregations are not likely to survive the next 20 years. Add in declining attendance and dwindling, dwindling affiliation rates, and you'd be forgiven for concluding that American religion is heading towards extinction. Well, let's put out first that, yes, religion can be extinct, but relationship with Jesus will never be extinct, right? We're always going to find people that need the Lord. We're always going to find people who want to gather in faith, right? Whether that's in a uh, church or wherever it may be, there's always going to be a gathering of people who want to worship, have communion together, share faith, all that kind of good stuff. So I am not on the America, America's, you know, doomed in the sense of, uh, you know, where the faithful are not going to be able to show up anywhere. Okay, so let's move on. But the old metrics of success, attendance and affiliation, or more colloquially, butts, budgets, and buildings may no longer capture the state of American religion. Although participation in traditional religious settings, churches, synagogues, mosques, schools, etc., is in decline, signs of life are popping up elsewhere. In conversations with chaplains in communities uh, started online that end up forming in-person bonds as well, in social justice groups rooted in shared faith. Now, I also want to throw into the mix the public school. You say, Paul, why would you put the public school in there? Well, just the other day, I uh, I work with an organization called First Priority, and we help uh, students do student-led Bible clubs on their campus. Uh, I think that's a great place for students to gather with like-minded people of faith their own age, whether they're attending your youth group or not. And there was probably, I'll say, 50 to 55 students in there. And uh, they were all chatting and talking, getting to know each other, and, you know, had the same interest to be there at 725 in the morning, um, you know, to hear an encouraging word, to uh, be with one another, to pray. And so don't discount the local public school if you are thinking about, uh, you know, how to gather students um, to, to pray together and not worry about whether or not your youth ministry is full, but rather whether or not students are having an opportunity to gather. Okay, let me go ahead and jump down here to this paragraph here. 
says religion has historically done four main jobs. First, it provides a framework for meaning-making, whether helping our ancient ancestors explain why it rained when it rained, or helping us today make sense of why bad things happen to good people. Second, religion offers rituals that enable us to mark time, process loss, and celebrate joys, from birth to coming of age to family formation to death. Third, it creates and supports communities, allowing each of us to find a place of belonging. And finally, fueled by each of the first three, religion inspires us to take prophetic action, to partake in building a world that is more just, more kind, and more loving. Through the pursuit of these four jobs, religious folks might be might also experience a sense of wonder, discovery, and new truth about themselves or the world, or even have an encounter with the divine. Well, as Christians, and from a Christian perspective, all of these things are true, is having a relationship with the Lord, and then how we make sense of the world through uh, what, how Scripture informs us, and uh, also how, you know, our transformation, our spiritual formation happens, you know, as we as we know the Lord and as we grow in faith and we grow in knowledge uh, of the scriptures and in communities. Now, here's the main paragraph that I ran across that I think applies to us as youth workers that we need to be thinking about is many theological schools aren't yet training their students to reimagine how to serve people outside traditional religious context. Exactly. Most students are being trained to still prepare, as the article says, most are still preparing clergy to serve in congregations, a job with diminishing prospects these days. However, a growing number of groups, many of them led by seminary graduates, support spiritual leaders who are fostering new kinds of spirituality in their flocks. And I would say, how are you fostering different kinds of learning dynamics? Whereas your pastor, your board, whoever that may be is judging you on the numbers that are showing up. First of all, I think the, the judgment needs to change, right? The, the, the bar somehow needs to be moved in regards to how you are engaging community, how you are engaging students, whether that's online, whether that's in person, whether that's through different serving communities, whatever that may be, that, me- that metric has to change. Uh, because if it doesn't, you're still going to be, you're just going to be frustrated beyond belief as a youth pastor and your pastor's frustrated and so forth. The question you have to ask yourself then is how am I engaging my community? What is the what are some different ways that I'm building these little pockets of community? Like I said earlier, maybe it's on your school campus. Maybe students are doing student-led Bible studies and you're helping facilitate that through training them. Maybe you're creating a grief group for teenagers. Uh, maybe you're you're doing a celebrate recovery group for young people and you can get training for those things. Uh, but there has to be a better way to engage community because we're still looking at the same 10 to 12 students every week and nothing wrong with that. I have 10 to 12 students every week, but I'm always looking for new ways to engage, always looking for new ways to uh, branch out beyond the uh, core youth group because there's people in the communities who are never going to come to our church. They're never going to come to the youth group, but they still have those same questions of why am I here? What is going on? I'm looking for hope. How can I find this without going to the local youth group for one hour? And, you know, that's our role as youth pastors to be able to help uh, facilitate that in some way, to offer ourselves to our communities, offer ourselves and say, hey, I'm here. What would you like to do? How can we put this together? Maybe it's a dinner club at the Waffle House and say, look, if you're a teenager, I'll buy your dinner at Waffle House tonight. Just put it out there, post it, tag your city, uh, tag, you know, whatever it may be, your community and say, look, dinner's on me, Waffle House, come get yourself a free waffle and, uh, and we'll talk. 
Okay, let's go ahead and scroll down here. It says the Glean Network, of which Elon is the founding director and uh, incubated more than 100 faith-rooted ventures over the past seven years through its partnership with Columbia Business School. Some of these programs focus on meaning-making, many on building communities, and other on creative rituals, and still others on answering a prophetic call. The Chaplaincy Innovation Lab brings chaplains traditionally siloed in the settings where they work healthcare, the military, higher education, prisons, into a broader learning community. More than 4,000 chaplains belong to the lab's private Facebook group, what we believe to be the largest virtual gathering of chaplains in the world, sharing advice, insights, and improvisational rituals from around the globe. These networks and growing number of others equip spiritual leaders from a broad range of faith traditions to do their best work and challenge theological schools to make their education more responsive, expansive, accessible, and practical. And that maybe uh, goes to what you, the youth worker, need to do. Maybe you need to become a certified, maybe you need to become a certified chaplain. Take your degree, go ahead and take, there's a chaplaincy test, I think, and all that. Go to your local hospital and say, hey, look, I would like to be a chaplain. I would like to be a, a chaplain in the prison system. I'd like to be a chaplain in juvenile hall. I'd like to be a chaplain here or there, wherever that may be. Because if, if you're not growing, if you're still banking on the traditional method of gathering students in your youth group every week and trying to build that to its maximum peak, I don't think things are in our favor in that. I don't think I don't think things moving forward uh, is uh, is going to go as well as we think we are. So I think if we want to continue to bring hope and bring the gospel to people, we're going to have to figure that out. We're going to have to say, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to then branch out? Not just how do I figure out a better program? Not just how do I what's the next you know fun thing I can do? But what can I do professionally? to then put myself in key locations to continue to bring the gospel to those who need to hear it most. The article continues, this swell of spiritual creativity comes at a time when Americans seem to need it most. We are more lonely, more divided, less hopeful, and less trusting in previous decades. And while there is much to celebrate as these new offerings take shape, their growth comes alongside an unprecedented decline in religious affiliation which does entail losing some of the things that are unlikely to be replaced by these creative efforts. We are witnessing a tectonic shift in the landscape of American religious life. Putnam was right when he declared a decade ago that religious disaffiliation has the potential for completely transforming American society, but he also predicted that it has the potential for just eliminating religion, and we beg to differ. Before we conclude that this transformation is solely about decline, let us make sure we're looking at all in all the right places. Could not agree more with that. I don't think it's about decline. I think it's about shifting. I think it's about the change. I think it's about a cycle. I think it's about moving things. The things are moving around and God is moving things around so that more people can be reached, you know, with the gospel. More people can be reached when we start figuring out that it can't just be about the Wednesday night, it can't just be about the Sunday morning, it can't just be about these times, dates, and so forth, when as a youth worker uh, and as a pastor, you have opportunities to be outside that congregation, outside those walls, whether it's online or whether it's down at the Waffle House or down at your local uh, school campus or wherever it is, and finding meaningful ways to enact uh, you know, conversations with people or to create communities that will attract people in a different way. People are looking for meaning, looking for hope, looking for community, all those things. And those are things that we can do as youth pastors. Instead of sitting in our office preparing the next message for our next two hours, well, why not get on 
and just engage people in your community, whether it's through Instagram and just, uh, you know, look up hashtags about your community and see what people are saying and just ask questions. Be curious. Be curious about your community and find out where the best places to go, the best places in your city that need you to show up and not just on the Wednesday night, not just on the Sunday morning, but need your attention in other places so that you can become the best youth worker you can be. Well, I hope that inspired you and I hope it uh, lit a fire under you in some way that said, hey, you know, maybe maybe I can redirect some of my attention. Maybe I can be involved. I'm not talking about overworking. I'm talking about readjusting calendars, readjusting where you invest your time uh, so that you can be able to share the gospel with more students and create more communities in different places and in different ways. Uh, they're going to be able to minister to people. And like I said earlier, if you want to be able to uh, share your thoughts about that, you can always uh, text me, uh, hit me on Facebook, uh, send me an email, and uh, I look forward to your feedback. And as always, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, well, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you're only going to get better. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.